Hi, I'm Taylor. I'm a student and a host of this podcast. Welcome to the Tay Talks podcast, a weekly conversation about wellness, life, travel, and healing. Thank you for joining me along my journey. You can catch me living my best life and being unapologetically me on Instagram at Tay Talks or by visiting my site, justtaytalks.com. Trigger warning, trauma, sexual violence, relationship abuse, intimate partner violence, mental health. This podcast discusses trauma, but should not be seen as a substitute for professional help. This is solely from my own personal experiences and views. Um, welcome back to the Tay Talks podcast. Um, I have with me Jamie Hicks, who is going to be sharing a little bit about her experience with eating disorders, um, body dysmorphia, and just a bit about her lifestyle and journey. And we're going to be talking about health, we're going to be talking about wellness, mental health, all kinds of things. Um, so without further ado, um, Jamie, welcome to the podcast. If you could share a little bit about yourself, um, that would be great. Hello, everyone. My name is Jamie. I'm a senior uh, in high school. I am very interested in modeling and fashion for a little bit about me. And I am very passionate about sharing my story and what I went through. So Taylor, thank you. Um, so about what I went through, I suffered with an eating disorder in my early teen years, and I love spreading awareness on the early signs of them for a lot of people aren't aware that they have them, and the recovery process and healing from all of it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, I'm really excited to have this conversation. Um, Well, for two reasons. One, this is something that um, has been a topic of mine of interest that I've wanted to uh, share on my platform, um, but I haven't met someone or had been connected with folks to really highlight this experience um, and to talk about just those things, the early signs of detection, um, the recovery, you know, what what the aftermath kind of looks like. Um, and uh, so I'm really glad to just have you on board to talk about this because I know this is such an important topic for a lot of folks, but also a topic that not a lot of people are aware of. You know, we we know the the basics, I think. And, and to that extent, I really don't even think people, including myself, don't know the basics. Um, we just see what's on TV um, or that's posted in magazines or you know, um, on Instagram, things like that, but not necessarily the, the, the details. Um, and the second thing is, I went to an all girls um, high school. And so this uh, topic and, um, you know, unfortunate experience was something that was often talked about, you know, in our, our girls locker room. Um, a lot of my friends had eating disorders, a lot of them had to seek, um, you know, an extensive amount of help through therapy, through, you know, I had a friend that had to, in what 
I knew, I know now is not the proper term, but she was sent away to get help, you know? And so it's always been a, a topic of interest. And so I'm really happy to have you here. And um, yeah, we can just get started and uh, we can start wherever you would like. You know, we talk about where were you in, in your life when this happened? Um, if you can give us like an age um, frame and um, what, what your journey looked like and, and how, how are you now, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Um, I agree. It's something that doesn't have, everyone just knows the basics of it, but there's so many details and long-term effects that no one knows. So when this first came very apparent in my life, I was going into my sophomore year of high school. And before that, in freshman year, I had realized that I definitely struggled with some body dysmorphia. I really couldn't put a label on how I perceived myself in the mirror. And I was just really struggling to figure out like how I felt about myself. And so as I was going into my sophomore year in the summer, I realized that I started becoming very obsessive with my intake of food. And it developed into anxiety around breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And so I was 14 and it's a very hard age because I was just entering high school and it's all the comparison culture and no one really knows better at that age. We're just scrolling through Instagram aimlessly, TikTok, Snapchat, everyone's posting what they make out to seem like their life, just the best parts and the best angles. And you're constantly looking at that and it's like, oh my gosh, like I want to look like that or do I look like that? And one of the main things that everyone resorts to is their food intake. And we're not educated on nutrition and calories. And everyone thinks the best thing to do is reduce my food intake when actually it's not healthy at all. Yeah, um, definitely. I think, thank you for sharing first. And um, could you expand a little bit more about what that food intake is? Because I think even just in our um daily lifestyle right especially with TikTok and what I eat in a day that immediately is what I, I thought um and and what does that food intake look like and what does that mean to you because again you know as you shared like food intake looks different you know for everyone um food intake may not necessarily be the best um the, the best choice right whether to reduce or to decrease um and so if you can just expand a little bit about that yeah, of course. So like you said, it is different for everyone. For me, I was an athlete. So well, I am an athlete. So my food intake is higher because I'm constantly working and I need to recover. And the, there's other people who just happen to have a very fast metabolism and they eat and eat a lot of things that not everyone can just eat. And that's something that I was around a lot too. So that's something that's very important to realize is that food intake is different for everyone. So I started off with breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It was very healthy, you know, like protein and vegetables to make sure I was having as an athlete. And as this became a problem, it became more like, okay, I'm just going to have like fruits for breakfast instead of having a full meal of breakfast. And eventually it became more severe with every meal to where it was like, maybe I'm just going to have lunch today and lunch might be a salad or maybe a protein bar. 
so it gradually was you had a routine um and you were consistent you had um a sustainable enough portion that fit your lifestyle and then it started to decrease um as the conditions started to like worsen yes and it's really hard to to pinpoint exactly what um the diet looks like mm -hmm. because when you aren't feeling yourself of course it's going to affect you physically but it really takes a toll on you mentally so I wasn't even in the right headspace to be figuring out like how can I keep myself healthy based off what I'm eating it was very different every day some days it was a bunch of fruit and then one day it was like a slice of pizza and that's it I was like oh my gosh I had pizza today nothing else I guess I'm starting to eat you know three four meals a day and then only eating one meal a day or not even a meal maybe like a snack a day um how what was like the the course of that timeline like did it happen very suddenly during your sophomore year or did it kind of take a full year to get to that point um, I would say it happened more suddenly, although it definitely is over the time of maybe weeks. It definitely wasn't a year because as soon as you're in that mindset where you're reducing food, um, it becomes like addictive, like you become addicted to restricting yourself because at the end of the day, when you go through your mind, like, what did I eat today? It almost becomes, and although it's very unhealthy, it's a rewarding feeling like, oh, I was good today. Like I didn't overdo it. Right, right. Um, and then in terms of like, I guess your peers, um, whether it's your family, friends, people at school, did you find um, like from what your memory serves, did you find that people were a, a bit more invested in you or like asking you questions, noticed any um, diet changes, any physical changes, um, mental changes, um, and were they helpful for you or, or did it, did you mentally even realize that they were, you know, pointing things out that you didn't notice? Uh, for sure, people notice around you. It definitely, like I said before, not giving yourself the right amount of nutrients really affects your mental state. Mm -hmm. So I became very mind fogged which was very obvious to my friends right away. I'm usually very loud, lots of energy, and I lacked that energy completely. So I remember specifically in the summer, there was one day it was getting very late and I had not eaten yet. And my friends were starting to catch on. Like she, like we've been with her all day. She hasn't eaten anything. And then I feel like I'm on the verge of like passing out. I'm just very, very tired. And my friends are like, Jamie, you need to eat something. Like. <laughs> this this isn't okay and so eventually it's it's obvious in the way that you act and the way that you look so I'm very thankful that my friends looked out for me and they actually spoke to my mom and then my mom obviously was a huge help in getting me to recovery oh, that's so great I'm I'm glad that you had a a support system of friends who looked out for you um because I think it's when you think about, you know, situations like this, trauma, you know, it's hard to, to care for someone who you know that needs help, you know, or who's changing in so many different ways, and also not know what to do. I couldn't imagine um, being in your friend's shoes at your age, um, and, you know, 
probably so many different feelings, scared, confused, um, concerned, and then what to do, who do you turn to? Um, so, so much kudos to them for having the courage to reach out to your mom and also to just check on you as a friend. You know, those are great people to have um, in your life. And, you know, you mentioned the recovery. So could you talk a little bit about that and what that looks like for you um, if you're still in recovery? Or, I mean, I know recovery is kind of a lifelong period. Um, we're always recovering. But um, what does that, uh, what did that look like for you? And, and kind of like, what is your lifestyle like now? Of course. So recovery is a mental and physical thing. So when you restrict yourself for a long amount of time, it's unhealthy to just start breakfast, lunch, and dinner like exactly like you used to. Um, for an exact plan, it's definitely smartest to talk to a professional. I went to my doctor to have an exact meal plan um, about exactly what I should eat. And I eased back into eating three meals a day. Um, and then it's it's difficult because when you have an eating disorder, like I said, there's so much anxiety around eating food. So one of the hardest parts is having to, like there are people monitoring you, making sure that you're eating those meals in your recovery plan. And the reason I say it's internal too, is you have to want to get better. Because I remember a specific time when my therapist, she would give me a log and I would have to write down all the food I was eating and she would make sure that I was eating. And I didn't, I didn't have the desire to get better at this point. So I would lie about it and I would say like, oh, I ate this, I ate this, and then I'd hand it in. So you have to want for yourself to get better and know that it's unhealthy. And a huge, huge thing with that is self-love, which is something that I preach. I, through this, have learned so well how to love myself. And like, it literally has been the biggest self-love journey because my mindset went from like being upset with myself when I looked in the mirror to being so excited when I see myself in the mirror. And it's a lot of, it's all the healing process is loving yourself and wanting to get better for yourself. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Um, I preach self-love too, so I can definitely um, resonate. And I feel like that's a common thing. Um, if you undergo a lot of different like traumatic experiences, mental health um, experiences, you you kind of come out with this like self-love, um, reclaiming your power kind of journey, you know? And I, I love what you said. You went from, you know, seeing yourself in one way in the mirror and then to seeing yourself in like a positive, loving light, beautiful light. Um, and and it's amazing to, to go from this negative space to this positive, um, I guess, more, more self-aware um, and coming from a place of love um, rather than a place of hate or shame or guilt or anything like that. Um, and I definitely want to put a pin in this topic in self-love because I want to come back to that. Um, but going back on what you said in regards to your um, doctor. So what is the, I guess, what does the clinical team look like for someone who may be um, experiencing an eating disorder or wants to seek help? Um, do they see, you mentioned you had a therapist. Um, was your doctor a nutritionist or is it, is it a specialized um, doctor? Um, who specializes in eating disorders? So for me, I went to a holistic doctor. 
which is like a doctor that takes the natural approach of everything. Mm-hmm. So obviously they studied like that, that you have to be like a dietitian at some point to get to that point. So we talked a lot about nutrition and that was the reason I chose to go to a holistic doctor because something that led me into my eating disorder too was like getting so bloated and hating getting bloated from eating. So I wanted to take the approach where I could figure out what food was best for me specifically in my body. And that took like a huge impact into the food that I ate when I was getting back on track, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Um, And uh, I think the holistic uh, doctor approach is so great and beneficial in so many different ways. Um, you know, thinking about the connections between the mind and the body. Um, and uh, I can talk, I can go on a whole nother rant of that because I'm a public health student. Um, but yeah, that's so great. Okay. And then therapy, is it mostly talk therapy or is it experiential therapy? Yeah, therapy was all talk therapy because there's obviously so much going on with your mind when you're restricting yourself from eating and the things that led you there and how it feels while you're recovering. Absolutely. Um, And then recovery wise, um, would you say like, what is the recovery time? Again, I know that like your therapy, you can continue that, you know, until you no longer need it, but do you um, still see a uh, therapist and, and the holistic doctor or is it more kind of like based off of when you need it not necessarily like every week or every month or like on a schedule yeah so I don't see a therapist regularly anymore um, I'd say that I completely I mean I can't say completely recovered because like I said there's long-term effects that Absolutely. I unfortunately didn't know about until I'd went through it myself but mentally and physically I completely recovered from it about a year later okay um however the pro you can make very fast progress Mm -hmm. in uh, way shorter time than a year it was just to get to the place of like oh my gosh I love myself inside and out definitely took about a year yeah and what do you what would you say maybe was like the highlight of um I guess the recovery period and finding yourself, like what was the, what was the moment if you could remember that you were like, yeah, this is, you know, this is either the new me or I'm back again or whatever phrase that I'm sure you had, um, would you mind sharing it? Yeah, of course. So when I really realized that I felt like my myself again, I read the book, The Four Agreements. I don't know if you know that book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, And one of the things that it preached was um, don't take anything personally. And I was really thinking about that. And I was thinking about how everyone has a different perception of everyone and there's not one standard of beauty and all of those things. And once that was really engraved in my mind, I remember looking in the mirror while I was going out with my friends and I was like, like wow like I I really like the way I look right now and I I hadn't felt like that in months like I used to cry when I looked in the mirror and I was so 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 proud of myself at that point I couldn't even really understand like 
what I did to get there, but I just knew that I didn't feel the way that I used to. And a lot of it had to do with that phrase, don't take anything personally, because I wasn't scared anymore of what everyone was thinking of me when they looked at me. I was just looking at me for myself and I was happy with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that sounds like such a proud, filled, exciting moment. Um, and I can just see like your face glowing and lighting up as you shared that. Um, <laughs> so thank you. Um, okay, so I wanna go back to um, the early signs um, and detection. So if you can just expand a little bit more about that and like, I guess just sharing with the audience um, and the listeners, what are some signs that, you know, people can look for within themselves or maybe even just um, friends of friends, you know, um, especially, I think, especially looking at high school students, since, um, you know, the statistics are 11% of high school students will experience an eating disorder um, and wanting to just kind of break that down um, for, for the listeners that I do have mostly high school and um, college age uh, listeners and, and what does that look like? And maybe even talking about like lifestyle and how lifestyle might impact um, the chances of an eating disorder as well. Yeah, of course. I would say the eating disorders are definitely behavioral signs. Because from my lifestyle, from an outsider's perspective, anyone would say that it was healthy because I'm an athlete. I was working out all of the time, but something to definitely look out for is why do I work out so much? Like, am I obsessed with working out because of how I want to look or am I obsessed with working out because I love the way it makes me feel and I love the healthy lifestyle? Um, it's a lot of obsessions with things like that. So the obsession, sorry, I'm getting caught up in my words, um, obsession with working out and obsession with breakfast, lunch, and dinner, like what am I going to eat? And after that, it develops into anxiety. So if you notice that your friends are getting anxious around meals, um, about like when you're out to eat and they don't know what to order and they're like, oh, I don't know, like, should I get that? Um, but happening very often and just not eating very much of it. Um, I would also say body dysmorphia. I struggled with body dysmorphia and anyone who has body dysmorphia, it's very, very important to watch yourself and make sure that you're treating yourself in a healthy way and you don't resort to lessening your food intake rather than figuring out what food is good for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you for sharing that. Um, and I think this, like, you know, you're touching on body dysmorphia is so important. And also the fact that you're an athlete, because that's the component of, um, you know, if we're looking at a map, like eating disorders is like, you know, up in bold, and then you have, um, you have like binge eating, you have bulimia, and you have um, anorexia, right? Like those are like the common eating disorders that people talk about or like that we know of, I think, as society, right, that we address, but we don't address the other things um, such as body dysmorphia, such as the higher risk of athletes um, having an eating disorder. You know, we don't uh, discuss the weight shaming and bullying that occurs at a young age, um, middle school, uh, 
high school age, especially. Um, and then on top of that, the mental health um, and even like compulsive exercise. Um, I can even like immediately just think of a friend who was also an athlete that that was her thing. Like she was always working out. Um, but we just assumed that it was fine because she was an athlete, you know, she was training for, for junior Olympics. So that made sense. But now as even like as adults, now that we talk about it, we're like, no, that, that wasn't okay. And she was so depressed in, in so many different um, circumstances that just came up for her. Um, so it's really easy to just miss those signs. Um, especially I think right now in social media culture where we have, uh, like I said, TikTok, what I eat in a day, we have um, clean eating, um, which I'm guilty of using that phrase as well because I try to eat mostly like vegetables, proteins, um, you know, I really try to like not eat junk food, but that clean eating can be become um, obsessive, right? And like, like you're saying, when you're sitting there planning your meals every single day and you're planning your workouts, right? You're adding adding and keeping on going and building, it could turn into, you know, may not necessarily turn to the extremes of an eating disorder, but it can affect someone mentally for sure. Um, And sorry, go ahead. Oh, yes, I was just agreeing with that 100%. Um, The obsession with working out, like, like I said, like with my lifestyle, people looked at that and thought it was normal because I'm an athlete. But the real reason I was working out was because I was so not okay with how I looked. Right, right, exactly. Um, And yeah, so thank you for sharing that. I do want to go back to um, the self-love and just hear a little bit more about your journey with self-love. I'm curious and wondering if your interest in fashion and modeling came after the discovery of self-love or was it before and something you have always been interested in and how does your platform um, with your uh, modeling connect with you know sharing this sharing your own story with your um, eating disorder and how to help other people yes so my my self-love and the modeling it really connects with what I went through because as I've said so many times, I'm an athlete. So I was a competitive gymnast from when I was two up until like last year. So I have the gymnast body. I'm not like a tall, very skinny, like model standard that people think of. So that was something that like really crushed me for some reason in the beginning of my eating disorder and my dream of modeling. So then when I learned to love my athletic body for what it was and love myself, I was like, well, why don't I be like an athletic model? Why don't I model sportswear and athletic clothes since I have that body type? And that was something that really, really helped me find the love for myself and my body and connect it to my dreams of modeling. Absolutely. I love that. Um, That's so sweet, like just hearing that. Um, And I guess my second question for you is you're kind of transitioning now out of high school um, at the end of it. Do you have anything that you're like looking forward to um, post-graduation and maybe what you plan to do during your recovery, during pageantry, um, what kind of 
I guess, what is your vision? Like, what is your goal um, for, for, yeah, this education? Um, I think, you know, Gina um, shared a little bit about like what you're doing with me. And so I'm curious in knowing like, how do you plan to expand this platform? If you're going to college, um, do you think you'll like continue this conversation and continue this work? Or is this something that you are, you know, just keeping near to your heart? Um, I definitely, definitely want to continue to expand my platform on this. That's actually a huge reason that I'm doing the pageant. Um, I feel like if I do have the honor of winning that pageant, um, I would have many more opportunities to find the audience that I'm looking for and help girls my age who are going through what I went through. Um, and in college, I mean, it really unfortunately is something that is all around us mm -hmm. even in like day-to-day -day high school life I found many girls in my grade that I've been able to help out so I feel like as I go throughout life and in college it's going to be around me more and I'm going to be able to help people like in my bubble but through the pageant and any platform that I can I would love to expand on it more have more of a voice and really, really share those early signs of eating disorders so people can prevent it for themselves or recognize it in someone they know. Absolutely. Uh, well, I'm really excited for you. Uh, I think you're gonna impact and benefit so many people. Um, it really just starts with education. And from there, uh, you, you'll have such a big audience. Um, and, and like you said, you're already connecting with girls that are in your in your school, in your class, in your grade. Um, so I, I can't imagine how many more people you will touch and impact, um, you know, in college, through the pageant and, and so much more. Um, so as we start to like wind down a little bit from our conversation, um, I have a few questions, last minute questions for you. Uh, so the first um, would be, I ask everyone who comes onto my podcast uh, to share what it means to be unapologetically you? And what has that looked like um, for you in the last couple of months? I love that question um, because through this whole journey, I've definitely learned what it means to be unapologetically me. And that really, for me personally, that comes with being secure in myself. When I know who I am and I love who I am, I have no problem sharing that with the world. And I think it really comes from a place of love and security within yourself because then you're not really worried, like, what is everyone thinking of me? It's just, you're you. And I love, love, love making people laugh and making people happy. That is like a goal of mine every day when I make someone laugh and I think I'm funny, it makes me so happy or if I can just make someone else happy. And I feel like I do that by just being myself and being funny. So that is how I'm unapologetically myself. I love that. And the second question that I asked, which is a, was inspired by a question that I received from my therapist. Um, and she'd asked me, you know, what would I say to a little Taylor? Um, and so I always ask my, uh, my guests as well, like, what would you say to your younger self? What would you say? to little Jamie um, and that could be a message it could be a question whatever it is that you'd want to say what would you say to her um I would say to my younger self 
that she is so, so, so much smarter than she thinks and so strong and that she can get through anything by being there for herself. Thank you so much. Uh, well, do you have anything else that you'd like to share on the podcast? Um, feel free to also highlight any of your platforms if you'd like um, and any resources if you have any. Sure. Um, the one message that I really, really love to get across because this is something that stuck with me so much of this journey is that if you are struggling with the way you look through comparison culture, remember that beauty does not come down to one standard. Me and my friends, we look nothing alike and we are all very, very beautiful. And it's so easy to get caught up in social media and think I don't look like that and she's beautiful, am I not beautiful? No, beauty does not have one standard and everyone is very beautiful. Um, so my social media on Instagram is jamie.hicks, it's J-A-I-M-E dot H-I-C-K-S and yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Jamie, for coming on to my podcast, connecting with me uh, and sharing a bit about your story and how you are impacting and changing the lives of others. I'm so grateful to have you here and um, yeah, best of luck with the rest of your school year and uh, with your pageant. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning into Tay Talks this week. I hope you enjoyed the episode and be sure to tune in next week. If you have any updates, advice, stories, any tea you want to share with me, feel free to follow me at Tay Talks on Instagram and send me your messages. Stay safe.